Hey everybody, it has been a minute since I last recorded a Christmas letter. I did make a commitment to myself that I wanted to record a letter for every day in December. I'm about 10 days behind, so I am probably not going to make it um, before the new year, but I still do want to record the last, you know, like one third of the month because it was a really meaningful time for me. And I do have a lot of stories I want to share with you, and I think that they're um, uplifting and it's been a really good experience for me and it's been fun to see that people are listening in too. So thanks for listening. And I just want to put a little note in the beginning of this letter that I know that I have been saying, I hope you're having a great day. I know that Christmas is actually, and it can be a really complicated time for people where it can be full of joy for some families and it can be full of loneliness for some people and it can feel lonely when you're in a family sometimes and it can feel lonely if you don't have a family that's close to share it with and it can be really hard if somebody that you love has passed recently or um, if somebody that you love is in trouble or sick. It is a season with a lot of extreme emotions and not all of them are good. And there's that saying that says heaven is open as wide as hell is. And I feel that that's true for the Christmas season. And I think that even though it's been a busy time for my family and they, it hasn't been super easy um, in the sense that I don't feel like I had enough time to do all the things that I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have like perfect patience, perfect love. <laughs> I didn't have like perfect focus on the savior, but I am really grateful for the small irritations and problems that I have. I wish that I could hand over some of the easiness of my life to some people that are having a really hard time. So, um, so this is, I'm going to share a short, uh, summary of a story from a book called revealing heaven. And the subtitle is The Eyewitness Accounts That Changed How Our Pastor Thinks About the Afterlife. And it's by a man named John W. Price. And I actually just read this book um, last week. And I borrowed it from the library. So this pastor became an Episcopalian priest in 1965. And the beginning of his time as a pastor... He did not have a lot of experience with death. And a couple of people came to him with stories that they had of when they had died momentarily and come back. And they shared those with him and he didn't believe them. So he heard both accounts of near-death experiences and he just dismissed them because it didn't fit neatly into his understanding of his religion. And he just thought, this, this seems like a like a ghost story or a joke, but when he read um, the book Life After Life, it is a book by Raymond Moody, and it's kind of like groundbreaking book about life after death. And he ex- explains the experiences of 150 people who believe that something happened to them when they were clinically dead. And so he read the book and he recognized some of the same elements of those people who had shared stories with him. And he was like, Oh, maybe there's something to that. So he has a two week training and this is with the Texas army national guard. 
and he's assigned as an acting division chaplain. And he is assigned to help a young Mexican-American private. And he he's, doesn't use his real name. He calls him Alberto. But he says that he had fractured a femur during an exercise. He was cleared to return to San Antonio, his hometown, but he needed a ride together. And it was uh, 180 miles south. And so Price volunteers his driver to take Alberto down and he says that he's going to accompany them and when he is not even out of Fort Hood Alberto starts to tell him about his experience that he had and he says I have something to tell you and then he starts talking about his life he was a poor student and when they were in elementary school he and his friends started sniffing glue and paint and then when he went to junior high he got introduced to weed and he started doing a bunch of joints and then he started doing harder drugs in high school and he went to California and was like really deep into the drug scene. And Price at this point in the story is like, I'm not really sure I want to <laughs> hear this whole thing, but he also felt that he needed to hear him out. And he continues the story and he says that he's at a drug party and a guy gives him a pill and it was a really bad trip. It was really painful and scary and then all of a sudden he is at peace and has no pain and he says these are his words I felt like I was going through a tunnel and then there was a buzzing sound then there was this dude made of light instead of flesh and bone and he greeted me so then Price reacts he's cr he flinches and he cringes and he's really stunned um, but he realized that Alberto was describing the same kind of out-of-body experience that Raymond Moody had written about in the book Life After Life. So he's like, is he just trying to get my attention? What is this all about? But because Price had recently read the book, his his heart had changed a little bit. Alberto's account was personal and it was really detailed. So he decided to just kind of take it at face value. He said he was very matter-of-fact about it. The more he listened to Alberto, the more he regretted doubting the, the previous two people that had shared their stories with him. So then Alberto continued his story. This is what he says in his words. Standing with the dude in white were my grandfather who died and some of my friends who died also. Then the dude in white reviewed my life with me and I saw it like I was watching TV. I saw me with the glue and paint and then the marijuana and the hard stuff. He showed me I was throwing the gifts of God, the abilities and talents he'd given me back in the face of God. And then he goes on and says he gets to this fence and it's told to him that it's not his time. And then after that, he wakes up in his body and the friends are like leaning over him and, and they're really scared because they thought that he had died. And he said his, they said that his skin had turned gray his eyes weren't moving at all, and he had stopped breathing. So then right after that incident, he just got up and he left the friends. <laughs> he went back home. He apologized to his parents, went back to high school. He graduated, and then he joined the National Guard. And this is a really interesting part of Price's story because he had previously rejected two out-of-body near-death stories. But this was kind of his turning point. And this is what he said. 
An overwhelming feeling of important discovery filled me and seemed to wash away all the doubts I had had about the afterlife. I immediately recognized the authenticity of Alberto's near-death experience. I knew there was no way he would have made it up and told it to me just to pass the time. And he goes on to explain that he knew and recognized that it was a life-changing event for Alberto. And the really cool thing about this book is that he goes through a lot of different stories. He's mine has been opened up and then it kind of attracts people to him that have really amazing stories. And I love this collection of stories because it's, it was told from a really unique perspective and of an Episcopal minister. And also the overwhelming message of all the people who came back was that love was the most important thing. And I'll share some more stories, um, on different days about those love stories. They're really beautiful. And to me, the stories are really comforting because there's a, there's a right way to love and to do life, but there's no judgment if a person is doing it wrong there, but there is truth being told to them. So sometimes the people that he overwhelmingly, it's a lovely experience and, um, people that go and come back just have a much renewed sense that God is love and that they're meant to cultivate that charity for other people, the brotherly kindness and love sisterly kindness to toward other people. And there's no judgment in the sense that God isn't angry or super disappointed or pointing a finger at us. He's just telling us the truth when he tells us to love and how to live our lives and how to be spiritually pure. It's not about how we're doing it wrong. It's about, Hey, if you do this, you will have an increase of joy in your life. And so, yeah, that's what I wanted to share for today. And also God's love is really life changing and you know, it is really hard to unconditionally love in this life. We have so many conditions that we, that get baked into our psyches from our culture and the way we grew up and the way we were judged. But, you know, I think it's really important to try to shed all of that to get closer to God. It is super hard and I am not there, but, but I think it's a good way to go. It's a pretty short book, but there's lots and lots of stories in it and they're really unique to his ministry. And, um, I'll share a couple more, I think before the month is over. Okay, guys, hope you are having a wonderful post Christmas week and I will talk to you soon.